obviously, like I've been dominatrix of the year, multiple years in a row, you know, my take on the whole thing definitely comes from a very, you know, femdom perspective point of view. So I'm like, yeah, let's make the entire world of men all sissy bitches. Sissification all the way in my bimbo Barbie room. Generation Z has got it right about like gender and not necessarily about the physicality of gender, but the roles that we have stereotypically put that women are supposed to act this way and men are supposed to act that way. I've had to be so masculine to succeed in life that even myself, I don't think that we're at a place in society yet of where a woman can just be feminine and be successful. But first, a word from our sponsors. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to the couples who cuck, the solos who swing, and the gangs that bang with their cocks, not their glocks. This is Billy Presida, and you're listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Woo, what's up, what's up? Roommate wars, they are starting again. Longtime listeners remember, hashtag where's the Pam? Let me tell you, where's the pans? I don't know, maybe I'll tell you more about that later. Uh, check the Discord. What's up, people? Big news this week. Porn legend Brittany Andrews, the pioneer of pegging, AVN dominatrix of the year, I don't know how many times over, is on the podcast this week. We're talking about going from MILF to GILF. We're talking about bringing more intimacy in her sober sex life and more. And I cannot wait to share that conversation with you in just a little bit. But first, show dates, people. Show dates. Hey, Naked Comedy Show. What a blast. We had two sold out crowds to close out the year. The next shows at Hacienda will be January 26th. In the meantime, I've got uh, uh, quite a few show dates coming up here. You can check the notes to see those. Got a couple spots even next week. So, you know, 
Check those. Come on out. See me do some stand-up with my pants on. Uh, I've got an email. I've got a, this is a big email. So if you hate it, when I read out the emails, you may want to skip forward about like 10, 10, 15 minutes. Okay. Sorry. Somebody needs some help. Subject line is abundance versus scarcity. He writes, hi, I heard your recent interview on Strictly Anonymous. Uh, Yes, I I was back Everybody on the Strictly Anonymous podcast, you can scroll back to last month over there and, and find my most recent episode. Uh, you know, we kind of got into a fight again, but I guess that's our podcasting relationship. Uh, it was interesting, entertaining, and informative. I had never heard of your podcast before this interview. That doesn't sting at all. I'm writing in regards to your experience of shifting your mindset from scarcity to abundance, without experiencing the abundance part first, or, quote, faking it until you made it. I was disappointed that instead of being able to hear how you did this, I had to listen to her, ugh, dude, woman's splain over you. I don't know. That's, sometimes people just uh, explain at you. I don't think we gotta always gender it. Unless it's about crypto or fantasy football, then we know exactly who's doing that. Um, And Taylor Swift, which we know who's doing that one. Anyways, uh, can you or have you talked about how you made this mindset transition? I've been suffocating for decades from scarcity mindset since childhood and would like to know more. I'm even interested in how to transition to abundance mindset in general, although obviously sexual abundance seems like it would be a crucible test of success. Thanks. And, uh, you know, wow, decades, that sounds like hell. I'm assuming this dude's in his, uh, you know, 30s or 40s, maybe 50s, but I'm I'm just going to take a a whack at that. So, uh, so on this podcast, you know, I talked a lot about how uh, I think a lot of dudes view pussy as this like scarce resource they're trying to get as opposed to sex with a woman as like a collaborative connected experience. I think a lot of men, even the, even the ones who like maybe call themselves good guys and are trying to, you know, not be rapists and they're going great. Just teach me the rules of how to like not be a rapist. Um, because I'm, I'm, I want to get pussy, but I don't want to do the bad thing. And I think good, I guess, you know, this is, that's fine. It's just, it's still viewing pussy as a goal as like something to obtain, just being like, what's the checklist of things I need to do to get the sex as opposed to really like engaging, you know? And I think if you don't have a lot of sex, I think that can, um, you know, you can, you can easily fall into like a scarcity mindset. You can, or you could put the pussy on a pedestal as they say in 40 year old virgin. Right. So, um, I think I recognized that in myself early on and, and tried not to, um, fall into that. But then again, when I was in college, I kind of fell into a, a lot of really fun sex. So I don't know. It's, it's just, it's not fucking easy to make that switch. And I think the older you get, the more instilled it is in you, right? Like as a kid, I got told so much to, to just wait till high school or just wait till college. It was like the whole, it gets better thing. You don't want to hear about how it's going to be better in the future. Even if you believe it will be, you want to not feel that pain now. And I sense some pain in this man's email. Just like I sense, you know, I think during the Strictly Anonymous interview, I talked 
a bit about kind of incels and MRA guys and the dudes who are, yeah, again, viewing pussy in a certain lens. So when it came to girls, I, I was this romantic as a kid. I was a, I was a romantic who wrote love poems in middle school and, and none of my crushes liked me back. I kissed three people before my 17th birthday. After a dozen years of nonstop bullying, wherever I went, my confidence was in the shitter. And of course, every female friend would insist I was cute, but they were interested themselves, right? So, you know, I obviously stopped believing them when they would say, because I'm like, if I'm so cute, why don't you want to hook up with me? And you know, But how did I fake it before I made it? I've, I've talked, I think, before about this 10-day program I did the summer before senior year of high school. It was one of those college resume patterns like a leadership conference uh, from people to people. But it was at the UCLA campus, so I was going to be around a bunch of teens who, who didn't know me. And it was the first time I was going to be around so many people who didn't know me uh, for the first time in a long time. They were people who didn't know I was a loser back home. They, they hadn't heard this embarrassing story or had seen me cry in front of you know the entire school or anything like that. It was a fresh slate. And the short version is, I made a few people laugh on check-in day, and that morning in the bathroom, I did some push-ups, and I looked in the mirror, and I realized I was okay, and I kind of just gave myself permission to not be a loser. At least for these 10 days, I was going to, or nine, I guess, at that point, I was going to not be a loser. And whether I was faking it or, or was just being a different variant of Billy, I, I was a hit. People thought I was funny and cool, but they thought I was sensitive and kind and a good listener. I smooched. I fooled around with three different girls. Three different girls. I had kissed three girls to this point, and then in this ten-day period, nine-day period, I kissed three girls. One of them on Splash Mountain, um, and, and one of the these women have have been on the podcast. She, uh, Amanda, she's been on a couple times, and um, people wanted to stay in touch with me when I left. They wanted to be my friend. I, I didn't really have many friends before this, so when I went back to boarding school senior year, I, I was just a different guy. I didn't lose myself in ego, but I, I just brought with me some newfound confidence. And confidence draws people to you. My senior year at, at boarding school, I smooched, fooled around with, I think, yeah, like another three girls. Nobody Hyde was really interested in me. All of a sudden, girls were kind of drawn to me. They thought I was cute. They wanted me to finger them in, in a breakout room in Amherst Hall. It all just builds on itself. And I'm not some sort of motivational speaker. Regular listeners know this. I'm not a guru. I'm not a, a coach or anything like that. I'm just a fuckhead, chuckle fuck with a microphone. This is just my experience. Inertia is, is really hard to start. But once you get the ball rolling, it fucking rolls. So as far as your sexual scarcity, one thing that helps is... To steal from 40-year-old virgin, again, don't put the pussy on a pedestal. That doesn't mean to disrespect women or, or think they're less than. I keep trying to insist, and I think I was doing it on Strictly Anonymous, that sex is it's not that big of a deal. Sex only seems like a big deal when you haven't had a lot of it. It's awesome, but if you make it this Mount Everest to climb, the pressure is too big. If every opportunity to flirt comes with the pressure of like needing this time to work so you can maybe have the sex, maybe maybe you don't know when the next time you'll have the sex or an opportunity to maybe have the sex. And, and if sex is so important to you that there needs to be a next time sooner than later, that, that man, that sucks. And she can sense it off you in subtle, unconscious ways. 
Remember, my, my female friends in high school would say, you're cute and you're a nice guy and a girl would be really lucky, but like, I'm not going to be the girl who's going to touch your penis because all of this lack of confidence and desperation, it's, wow, really, you know, a pussy dryer. Desperation is not an attractive cologne. There's also some special spot on the spectrum of being a nice guy without being so respectful that you asexualize yourself. I think that's what I was doing in high school. And I think that's what a lot of guys still do. The guys who, they want to be a nice guy, they want to be respectful, but they also want to get laid and they don't know how to, to, to mix those without being an asshole that they hear their female friends complain about. I know that's what held me back. So I don't want to tell you to chill out so that you seem chilled out, so you seem more attractive, so more women will be drawn to you so that you can ultimately get the sex. I want you to just not see it as such a huge deal. And I want you to fake some confidence to talk to a woman as a human being that you might or might not click with, as opposed to how a lot of guys talk to women as pussy gatekeepers. Maybe you click, maybe you don't. It's not a big deal either way. If it clicks, that's great. If it clicks and and y'all fool around, awesome. If you click and then it just doesn't work out, also fine too. Life goes on. Now, I think this guy was asking if like I had like specific episodes that would cover this and as many of you know, this isn't really a topic-based show, but I think the woman who took my virginity when I was 18 offered some insight on episode 222. I don't think you realized how cute you were. And she talked about how all of her friends at this party at her house that I went to the night that we slept together the first time, you know, she told me how all of her female friends could tell. They were all kind of looking at me like, why is that cute guy acting so shy? He's, he's acting like one of the fuggos. And he, I'm looking at him. He's not one of the fuggos. Why is he acting like a fuggo? But here's, here's the secret. No, no, even the uggo shouldn't act like an uggo. If an uggo acts like a hot person, guess what? Now you're a hot person. People are drawn to that. There's some people, they just want to see a very certain facial symmetry and body type, but up more people, more women than not want to, I don't know, they want to feel, they want to sense the confidence on you. And I probably could have fingered more girls in high school if I did. But then, you know, again, maybe I would have become a smug asshole who works in finance instead of a smug asshole who works in comedy and makes less money than if he had fingered more girls in high school. So I don't know. Um, but Lee, I hope you're hearing this because that means that you you follow, you click the buttons. Hope you did. Hope you're here. Hope you're hearing this. And I hope you uh, find what you need. And if you want to send me an email with your comments, with your questions, with your replies uh, to this, to anything in the episode, you can send any and all of that over to manhorpod at gmail.com. Before we get to Brittany Andrews, and oh my, Brittany Andrews, got to do a quick fan whore appreciation moment. This is the part of the podcast where I like to give shout outs to members of my fan whore community on Patreon. My Patreon community, uh, you are all so supportive, and I really appreciate um, uh, you giving me some sense of financial security with your monthly and annual pledges. Shout out to all of the annual pledges, by the way, who who signed up recently because that was a really nice boost to have uh, as I'm buying you know Christmas presents for for my niece and nephew for my family. You get an annual membership, you get a discount. But I do get all that upfront, which is awesome, and it's really awesome to thank Ethan Small. Thanks for being a member, man. Think you could engineer me a ceramic fleshlight. I don't know. Think about it. 
all the other fleshlights I use, they're just too loose. They just don't do the job. So if you if you do do it, just can you make it tighter? Thanks, man. And thank you for supporting the pod on Patreon. You too can become a member, support the show, and receive a slew of great rewards, including a bonus episode with Brittany Andrews out tomorrow. Become a member today, support the pod you love at patreon.com slash podcast, or download the Patreon app and find me on there. All right, Brittany Andrews, everybody. She's a big, busty MILF who's, uh, well, already starting to be a big, busty GILF. Let's go have a chat with Brittany Andrews. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So I would definitely have had a relationship with testosterone during my perimenopausal years. Oh, that's why you take it is because of that. I did take it for that reason. Okay. However... I do have um, a lot of adorable Asian employees that work for me, and uh, I started treating them not so fabulously while I was on the testosterone. <laughs> testosterone is a real drug. Are we actually going? Oh, yeah, no? you're going. Oh, we're going. <clears throat> so testosterone is actually like a real drug. Um, you know, since I started taking testosterone, I had a lot more understanding of the male plight um <laughs> because as a woman that's a sex worker that kind of looks at men that they want to stick their dick anywhere everywhere all the time um and not understanding that once i got in testosterone i started understanding why men can be dicks and need to use their dicks all the time so, um, but yes, I decided to quit taking testosterone because it literally, in the beginning, it was really working for my sexuality mm-hmm. um, because I've also been on birth control since I've been like 13 years old, nonstop. So like, I got enough estrogen, right? Um, and so I really did need to do some balancing out of the hormones, which is what happens when you are perimenopausal. And maybe even before that, I was having issues and I didn't realize it with the hormones. But I made a conscious decision that I didn't want to be a raging cunt to my employees. <laughs> so I said, we've got to stop the testosterone. And I'm like, yes, I hope they, you know, because I have heard that they are putting like estrogen in the water, okay. which is why like men are becoming more like feminized. And I'm like, <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's good for the planet in the world if we're not all running around with a hard dick mm. and being a complete raging cunt. So I mean, but um, like, is it, you know, is it estrogen in the water or is it like we're finally trying to let men share their feelings for a change? <laughs> I think it's a combination of both. And I'm here for the entire thing. I think it's all good for the planet. You know, I can understand, you know, my hairdresser, um, the, the, um, 
the hair whisperer in mm-hmm. Las Vegas. She does like all the porn stars and stuff. You know, we've had this conversation about, you know, femininity and masculinity and our thoughts on it. Obviously, like I've been dominatrix of the year multiple years in a row. You know, my take on uh, the whole thing definitely comes from a very, you know, femdom perspective point of view. So I'm like, yeah, let's make the entire world of men all sissy bitches. <laughs> Sissification all the way in my bimbo Barbie room. Um, you know, and she's like, well, you know, I think masculinity is important. And, you know, and I think at the end of the day, there's women like myself that are very masculine. Mm-hmm. And there are men that are very feminine. I've got an Asian houseboy. He's very feminine. He's like brings women's studies to me to read, you know? I'm well, he's like, like handing you bell hooks? Is- well, no, he gets on my phone on my Libby app and he puts it on my, which is the library, you know, app. And so I was actually listening to one about the wise crown this morning. That's like women's study that he brought to me, you know? And so I think um, we need to allow everybody to be who they are organically mm. and i think this concept of not assigning you know women are supposed to act this way men are supposed to act that way i think you know that generation z has got it right about like gender and not necessarily about the physicality of gender but the roles that we have stereotypically put that women are supposed to act this way and men are supposed to act that way. Mm. If we can organically allow people to be their authentic selves. And I think, you know, even for myself, that's still a little bit difficult because we live in a man's world, right? I've had to be so masculine to succeed in life, that even myself, I don't think that we're an, at a place in society yet mm. of where a woman can just be feminine and be successful. Uh, and I can even say it to myself, like I'm somebody that like listens to tons of books. And if I get like an overly feminine voice, I have a very difficult time mm. digesting that, which there's been so many studies that have shown mm. if a woman speaks feminine like in podcasts and all these different things. Like there's just a natural turnoff because we're so for so long. We're like, it depends on the subject matter that they're talking about. Exactly. It's like, what's this lady brand doing talking about politics? Exactly. (laughs) We've got such a long way and I'm still part of the problem, not the solution. But, you know, I at least can see what the problem is and I can participate trying to be a part of the solution as much as the restriction of where we're still at Mm. allows me. But by even being cognizant of that, like you are part of the solution. You're, you're, if I, you're a 50 year old woman who's like even willing to, to battle with that thought, you're willing to catch yourself and go, Ooh, I, I was thinking that. And and like most people don't, most people get to an age and they go like, fuck it. This is where I'm at and deal with me. Right. And you're, you're clearly not like that, which is uh, refreshing. Well, you know, I, I like to consider myself to be a compassionate and empathetic human being. Mm -hmm. Um, And a huge part of that is being a spiritual human being, which is part of my feminine. You know, um, I think that is a huge aspect of um, my feminism is my spirituality. 
And the other aspect is the dominating men part. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's a good time to say I'm here right now. There you go. Exactly. Well, you know, so you walk into my room wearing this T-shirt that says I'm saving pegging for marriage. And, um, you know, anybody that is a fan of mine, whether they like that side of me or not, they're going to bump into it quite often. You know, I'm known to be the pioneer pegging. Really? Yes. I truly did not know. You didn't know that. I got to be honest and I don't want to insult you, but I, I don't. Know if I've seen much of your work? Yeah, you know uh, I don't. Of- you, I don't normally make it to the end credits. <laughs> uh, do you mind me asking how old you are? I'm 34. Yeah. So men that are older, there was a scene that I did with Jenna Jameson back in the day that I think was one of the first ever mm. viral videos, right? And so it was a scene of me and her in the bathroom doing this lesbian scene, and it was over a toilet, and a bunch of it was like. It was at the time when Wicked Pictures was on E Channel, Hard Copy was there, all these, and you know there was some golden showers that ended up happening organically in the scene. The publicist came running into the middle of the scene, going, "Oh my God, you can't do that! We got Hard Copy here, we got the you know E Channel." Um, so they did cut some of the best parts of it out, but I do think um, it was from a movie called Flashpoint. And when I tell guys, I was like, I'm the other girl in that scene with Jenna. They're like, oh, my God, I love you. <laughs> but you're too young. Um, so I don't oh, I never really fell down like the mm. I think I got out of the mainstream studio style right. porn rabbit hole. Oh, very so young. Are you like more into like the many vids? I watch like Reddit, like I like I go through Reddit. Oh, okay, very and good. Yeah, occasional Pornhub like viewing. I, right. I think I got out of that phase just a lot younger. I uh-huh. like like in high well, school. I would highly recommend if uh, you're a Reddit yeah. person because that means you are not paying for your porn. <laughs> um, that you know, um, uh. Sex worker adjacent supportive mm. would be then to go to like many vids or clips for sale because yeah. then you're directly getting unique content from the content creators right. themselves and also um, being a kind, nice gentleman with your penis and your wallet and yes. supporting them. Yes. Well, as a professional <laughs> poor person I am, I've, I, I used to, on the show, I used to have a segment. I started doing a segment where I was like, right. oh, once a month, I'm going to pay for a subscription somewhere. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And then like that shout it really out. That is a really good way to like yeah. tithe. Yeah. Tithe, do a monthly tithe to your favorite content creator. Yeah, and then tell them. And, and then, then you can them. watch a yeah. bunch of other shit for free. Exactly, exactly. And then exactly. you can like have like a good, you know, conscience, you know, yeah. after you've busted your knot. Yeah, whether, yeah. and But then what <laughs> happened, uh, you know, Lainey Spicer told me like if everybody put like $100 into the industry a yes, year. Exactly. The whole, like y'all might get craft services again, right? right. And so <laughs> That's hilarious that somebody else said that. <laughs> but I did, it must I, be an old bitch too, because it's been so long <laughs> since there's been craft services. But. I, so I did that for like three months and then I just I got a, a uh-huh. sponsor who was like uh, like one of these porn sites became a okay. sponsor so I just couldn't do that anymore uh. and so then I would just be like okay I'm gonna tip this you know once a year I'd be like okay who can I <laughs> tip some monies at I'll text some friends be like what's your Venmo let me there you go I owe exactly. you 20 bucks I think <laughs> so going back to the pioneer of pegging because yes. I told you I, I, I'm very diversified in my answers and I'll totally get lost because I have so many things that I like to share with the public mm-hmm. but pioneer pegging so obviously you know I'm not the person that started pegging, right? Um, but 
this is how I gave myself the title. Um, at that particular time, it was the 90s, and it was mm-hmm. on VHS people. We're mm-hmm. going to the Wayback Time Machine here. And so there was very few female directors. The word content creator didn't exist. The word pegging didn't exist. I don't think content existed. <laughs> well, it did in the we way had- that I kind of was making it. Like, I was kind mm-hmm. of ahead of my time, and, and that can even go into, you know, uh, the next part of what I'm going to say. But back then, there were very few female directors and then even less producers. And when I first went to the distribution companies back then, so I, w- I produced it myself, I directed it myself, um, but then I had to find distribution, right? Mm. Um, back then, it was distribution companies that handled VHS distribution. And at that time, it was all, you know, Cousin Vinny from New York, right? They did all the distribution for porn, right? So it was like Jewish mafia did production of the studios and then it was all Italian mafia. my people took care of the distribution. Yeah, in New York, you know, they did the distribution, you know, Jewish uh, mafia production, LA, Hollywood, and then, you know, all of the distribution was East Coast Italian mafia. You know, and I brought this, you know, and I really thought back then, when I started making this content, these films, uh, that it was going to be female sexual empowerment. Like, I thought that the women were going to be the viewers, not men. And that's like what my whole head thought was about it, was really like, I'm making this to empower female sexuality, which I think long term, uh, that goal was achieved. But really in my mind, I thought, okay, it's going to be like a female viewership because at that point, it was the 90s and it was the first time we had cable distribution as well so softcore was like a big thing and you know the ron jeremy's were kind of out and better looking men were coming in because of cable distribution and softcore is this like is this like when kennedy and nixon had the debate and nixon's like i lost it's kind of like that <laughs> well you ron know, jeremy's was like well once we had more hd you know i look even worse <laughs> exactly dude um, but it really was when the female viewer was coming into play. Playboy TV was yep. something. Spice TV was something. And they realized that women wanted uh, media to watch as well. And so that's where my mind was thinking. And so I went to like the Italian guy, you know, the Italian mafia. And he was like, what is this faggot shit? I can't distribute this. Now, of course, I know that that is no longer politically correct to say, but that is exactly what the motherfucker said to me. Mm. I'm just sharing my experience. And so at that point, I went into distribution, which I literally can only think of maybe one other woman that was doing distribution back then, which was Candida Royale. And so I really was the first like female to bring to film pegging on VHS. So that is why, you know, I feel as though I earned the title of pioneer of pegging because I did pioneer it um, when it comes to like bringing it to film. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I didn't realize you were like the pioneer of Peggy. I just assumed. And then you wore that shirt up into my room, bitch. It's, I just, <laughs> it's just like my best. Uh, it's just my best shirt for Exotica. I love it. 
but I just assumed that over like you know the thirty year career you'd kind of done it done all. Done some of it, yeah. I just figured but like no, I'm I'm a pioneer of it actually. Yeah. Yes, you know, <clears throat> I've uh, I've always found men bent over with their fuck hole, you know peeking you know just you know kind of winking at me like that's my home that's where i belong right there like that is my entry point into heaven now now is that both on camera or also off camera you know um my sexuality throughout the years because any, anyone who like is just showed up to jerk off to your voice like might be gone by now they're like they're yeah. talking. when we were doing gender they were like oh this doesn't seem hot and so now i yeah. think they're gone now i think we can yes. be real with them <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> Um, yeah, so my sexuality over the years has definitely changed a lot. You know, when I was in my 20s, it was really all about, you know, understanding, you know, my own power as a woman. And I'm definitely as a dominatrix, as a female, as a human, I love the power that I can wield over men. And so I twisted it as much as I possibly could to see how far I could like push it and what I could get away with and running around with a fucking dick on really shows you how much power you have over men that really don't want to do that but your pussy is so powerful that they will get on their knees and suck your dick to get to the pussy. And you know what? I played with that so much, like in my 20s and probably into my 30s until I realized like, oh, okay, you know, this is not that entertaining anymore because mm. I pretty much can, can get men to do anything I So how far want. were you able to push it? Very, very far. Like. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to keep everything legal on PC. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> the statute of limitations have probably gone past, but you know. <laughs> it's generally seven years. I looked it up. It's, yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. It's you like know. I, can, I can talk about selling fake things, IDs in college now. It's that, you know, are, are not politically correct now. Like, Nobody gave a fuck about in the 90s. Well, what's crazy is like the term politically correct. I don't think that even works anymore because now it's like, um, you know, what is not politically correct, like the politicians are on one side are saying it all the time. <laughs> so it's actually very politically correct for for like half a Congress. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, we won't get myself into sure. trouble. But yeah, I pushed it as far as I possibly could. Okay, okay. <laughs> and loved every minute of it. And I believe it was, you know, very spiritually... You know, I felt as though the universe was like, you know, you are here to be that pendulum with mm. men, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, you need somebody to go all the way over here so that we can find some kind of balance in between. Mm -hmm. And I actually believe my own bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> well, how has like been finding the balance in between, you know, in, in your personal life and dating? Uh, well, you know, now where I'm at as a human being, and I know it sounds very barfy, but it's not really about sexuality anymore. Mm. I feel as though I've crossed all frontiers mm. uh, with sexuality. Now it's like, can I communicate to another human being? Can mm. I be vulnerable? Can I truly be intimate, like with expressing my feelings and like being honest with myself? Like, how do I really feel? Like, what do I really need in this situation? Um, so yeah, you know, I spent my 20s, my 30s, and probably like half of my 40s, you know, still fighting with the, maybe not fighting, but just um, mastering 
probably is a better word, like mm. mastering my sexuality. Yeah. Um, and there's really no stone that I left unturned. Uh, so like one of the most like profound things that someone like myself could do is to like be normal. Yeah. <laughs> like how do Can I how do I go from being a completely crazy wild bitch to being like a basic bitch with like pumpkin spice latte? And yeah. that has been so much work to well, become a basic bitch. But like do you need to be a basic bitch or is it just about like how do I connect with another human being on an mm. intimate level and then go be a crazy sexual deviant? Cuz like that's where I'm at right now where I just all yeah. of a sudden in the last few months I realized like ah shit, I think my cock needs connection. It's very inconvenient. Right. Uh, and I don't want to not like go to sex parties and do X and Y right. and Z. I just like, oh shit, I think I want someone like I love to be there with me. Yeah. That's <laughs> so weird, right? Yeah. Like I want her, I want her to be at the glory hole with me. That's, that's what I'm. Yeah. <laughs> and I still haven't really gotten there because I'm still very, very, very much like a happy single woman. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't ever get lonely. Okay. I've never been a lonely person. Like Ever. Like, I've literally, like, looked it up on Google. I don't know how many times. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, am I a narcissist? Like, because, like, why am I not, like, ever lonely? And everything I've gotten back from Google is, like, you're not a narcissist. You're you just a really lucky bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also, too, I'm very empathetic, which mm-hmm. is the opposite side of, like, being a narcissist. But... Yeah, I just, um, I've always had cats. That's probably something else that really mm-hmm. helps. So women and cats go hand in hand. Um, and some men and cats go hand in hand too, probably ones that are more connected to their feminine. Um, I also have a dog. I have an Asian house boy. I have a harem of men for, you know, necessity. Um, you know, so I'm actually very like practical. Yeah. When it comes to, but I don't ever feel like, oh, I want somebody to be with me. Mm. That's never a feeling I've ever had. Well, maybe like not the with, like where sometimes people get lonely and they want a partner. So there's someone there to go to the thing with or, to or like whatever. Share I mean, their life with or something like experience things with. Like, I don't get that. So, like, have you ever like felt yeah, your heart connected with another human though? Forget absolutely, one hundred percent. Okay, like that is definitely like I'm very heart connected to my friends, and I'm for the first time like in my life trying to learn how to like heart connect, not like in a romantic way, but in something that's more that how do you put it like. That's deeper than a friendship. Right. Like a partnership. Yeah, there's there's definitely, like, I can be intimate with someone I only fool around with even just one time. Right. But, like, there, the intimacy doesn't necessarily mean romance, right? Intimacy just means, like, yeah. we didn't just, like, see genitals and go, let's fucking mash them. It's like... Yeah, and I don't know if I've ever felt intimate sexually. Okay. Yeah, like, intimacy and sexuality to me, like, don't go hand in hand. Right. Well, yeah. I, I remember. And that might be because I'm a sex worker for 30 some odd years. Yeah. You know, so maybe, like, to me, sexuality is just not intimate. Right. It's just like very um, transactional. It's mm-hmm. very performance driven. It's very, um, and not to say that I haven't been intimate sexually but i've been sober for 10 years and i really do feel like i need drugs like a lot of drugs to be like that vulnerable sexually well i heard you say that in an interview um from a couple years back where you were talking about the sobriety and how like 
intimacy was got, got kind of weird in your personal life once yes. you got sober because maybe now you gotta now you gotta look it in the face. Yeah, you know, and so like that was one of the ways that I used to separate my sexuality was work sex with sober sex. Right. And then my personal sex, I was fucking wasted, you know. And so um I still have not gotten to like very vulnerable sober sex. Mm-hmm. I still haven't, you know, maybe that's my 60s. Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> There's still frontiers to. I mean, you have the whole 50s in front of you to to, to open to, up. Yeah, <laughs> I think like the 50s might be of, of like learning how to be that vulnerable yeah. just in a relationship perspective. Yeah. You know, so maybe then next we'll be adding sex to that. Do you feel like you have like trust issues? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I don't think that humans should be trusted. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, we're all fallible, myself sure. included, you know, um, as a, a spiritual woman, like I trust my mother goddess, she, mm. and that is the only thing that I truly trust to the ends of the earth, you know, mm. and my cat, <laughs> not even my dog. Sorry, dog. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, you know, maybe like another 90 day single life uh, thing will, will help out. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I just, um, I don't think that it's healthy. To, I mean, I think it's healthy to trust to a certain extent, but I don't feel you can put all your trust in another human being. I think that that's setting yourself up for failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's setting yourself up for resentments. It's setting yourself up for expectations that I can't even live up to. I can't always be trusted because, and I mean, overall, I can be trusted for many, many, many different things. But I've had traumas in my life, right? Mm. And so, you know, even like the the concept of like how honest can we even be with ourselves, right? We can't always be completely vulnerable with ourselves about our own stuff that we've got going on. Mm. And so with that in mind, I can't always show up to be that person for you that you need, mm. right? Because I've got my own stuff going on. So you can't always trust that, you can always like rely on me to be what you need me to be sure. like in a relationship. I right? mean, you could probably be a great partner even if you're not perfect. Absolutely. 100%. But when that other person puts expectations yeah. on that other human being of trust and based upon these certain limitations, right, that we all mm. have, then I just feel like we're, we're all setting ourselves up to be hurt. Mm-hmm. So I try to just be very, you know, realistic. Okay. Yeah. So kind of like be guard. If I'm guarded, I can't get hurt that and bad. Not necessarily guarded, but allowing people to be their authentic selves mm-hmm. without me putting my expectations on them for for what sure. I need. Yeah. yeah. The, the the harem of men you've got like probably strewn around the country. It's like you 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 expect a certain ceiling of them, right? And yeah. And so long as they can meet that kind of lower bar, then it's like, well, then everything's good. <laughs> Actually, my bar, I think, is pretty high. Do tell. What's, what's the bar to be uh, a Brittany Andrews, mem- uh, a member of Brittany Andrews' harem? You have to value, mm. right? Which I think is like a huge thing on a lot of women's lips at this moment, right? You know, as a woman that is happy single... I make my own money. I run my own businesses. I've got a vibrator right there. Yep. And um, it's, it's the one that like, it's the cheat code <laughs> one, you know? 
exactly. <laughs> um, I can pretty much do everything for myself, mm. right? So how do you add value to my life, right? right? So are you adding value by being um, um, you know, um, a consultant, a mentor, fixing things, you know, like I feel like it, there's been this the cultural change of like, you know, how men fit into women's lives, mm. right? And I feel like somebody that's been working so hard to to be this independent woman, you know, and I and I have been for a very long time. Mm. I've been taking care of my ship, paying my taxes, you know, doing the do. I've lived alone my entire life. Like, you know, I've very much proved I don't need like a man right. to be happy, right? And I think like as like a woman's movement, you know, we've had to work really hard to kind of to get to that place. But now I feel like we're back at a certain square one mm. of like, okay, well, how, where does a man fit into my life? How does this kind of work now? Well, they're right? like, there are these like less than tangible things. Like for me, I'm like a professional poor person. Right. I don't know how to mount your TV. <laughs> I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll watch the YouTube video, but yeah. I won't trust it yeah. once I get it up there. Yeah. I mean, there's shit. I know I, how to do that. I'm very good with oh that. Oh, my God. Amazing. I just had the maintenance guy in here, and I was like, I'm very, he's like, what did you do? I'm like, don't look at me like that. I'm a filmmaker, a DJ. I got a master certification in Ableton. Like, I know how to hook up fucking right. entertainment systems. I know all the wiring, you know, da-da-da-da-da. But there are, like, other things, you know, that, like, yeah. you know, one can offer. And, uh, you know, for me, like, when I think about what do I bring yeah. into a relationship, it's like, well, like, I'm going to bring, I'm going to make you laugh, I'll yeah. make you come, and I'll make right. you feel heard when you need someone to listen to. Right. You. Exactly. Which... Exactly. So there's different, and that's why I feel personally like I need yeah. a harem. Like mm -hmm. not one human being is ever going to meet my needs. Mm -hmm. Like my Asian houseboy, he brings to the table a certain kind of like whimsicalness that my life doesn't otherwise have. I'm very structured. I'm very routine. My days are planned out a month in advance. Mm -hmm. You know, he helps take care of the kids, the cat and the dog, you know, and he provides a lot of humor and lightness like these different things you know they, that you bring to the table in a relationship but then i have wow i meet the house i meet houseboy standards oh okay it's <laughs> not exactly what i was going for but i guess that's the category i'm in well when you're broke right <laughs> well, like yeah, that's I'm, houseboy standard I mean, I'm not right great at cleaning though that's my <laughs> oh he's not either oh my god that's been like our biggest Oh my God, we have gotten into the biggest fights over the fucking cleaning. But Holy do, but shit. but the way you like describe him sounds like this, like almost like cut. So like, do you bang this houseboy? No, 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 no. Yeah, no. it sounded he's like he doesn't. Okay. He's asexual. He is. Um, he's what I call my um my baby daddy. Okay. Right. So he is the baby daddy to the children of the house, and you know what? And yes, he does suck at cleaning. Um, and we've gotten into a lot of fights about it, but you know what? That's part of his spiritual assignment, okay. right? Like he's part of my spiritual assignment and vice versa. Sure. Right. And so for him, I'm making him grow the fuck up. Okay. Like we went to his mother's, I hope to God he doesn't mind me talking about him like this, but we went to his mother's wedding recently and I was like, is she going to like give me a thank you card for helping him grow the fuck up? You know? <laughs> Because <laughs> she did not do that. Bless her. Was soul. he in like er, was it early twenties or something like that? No, he's in his mid thirties. Whoa, he's Whoa. in his mid thirties. Um, and so <laughs> you know, but once again, my expectations are very high. So, like, what are the other mm -hmm. members of the what are the other dicks in the harem offer you? 
Um, you know, some of them money. Okay. Right. Some of them are money, uh, support, love. Others are um like financial advice, business infrastructure. Um, like you have to add value to right. my life. If you don't add value in some way, you're not allowed in. Yeah. Right? Like you're just like you're wasting my time. Mm-hmm. I'm a busy bitch. I own multiple companies. I got like 30 employees. I'm traveling all the time. Like I don't like you got to bring value. I and think if there's, it's yeah. I think there's a lot of dudes who just go like, "Well, I want this person. I want to be with this person. I want this." And like, I'm a great I'm a great dude just cuz I am the dude I'm describing. Therefore, I'm the great dude. But they don't even think what do I offer? Right. You know, they just yeah. think, well, no, because I'm a great guy. It was like, <laughs> but what do you offer? Yeah. And it doesn't have to be money. Yeah. But just like, what do you offer? Why do you? Yeah. Like, you have I know, to add value. I know I'm a good time. Yeah. That's all. Like, I can make right. sure like you will have fun. Mm-hmm. I can loose you up. I will make you smile. I will make you feel love. I can do all that shit. Right. But there's other things I won't be able to do. And that's yeah. okay. And that's why polyamory is great for me. <laughs> and I'm just like a trophy bitch. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, I'm a porn star. I've put like $100,000 of money into my plastic surgery. You know, but I, I you know, and yeah, but you're I'm funny. actually, I am funny. But you're funny. And, and you I'm can actually talk. pretty fucking deep, too. Okay. I can have some good conversations you with You jumped people. in on gender real quick on this. <laughs> I was very shocked. Very surprised by you. So, um, <laughs> you know, and being that I've done so much work on myself, um, both spiritually, therapeutically wise, I expect mm. somebody... And this is where I think that men are really falling short of expectation of female value at this moment is if, and I see it consistently, my TikTok algorithm is just like overloaded with it. Like we are here doing the work on ourselves, right? And then we are meeting men that have not done any and I cannot play with that. Mm. Like I went to revisit like an ex that I that I thought maybe was the one that, you know, I fucked up. And until COVID, he hadn't done any work on himself. And I was like, you know what? I I can't be with some, like, I've done so much. You know, I've been in AA, sorry. I've been in 12 step. Sorry, I just want to get the tradition. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I know the fucking the secret society doesn't like when you say this, but we all know the secret society, bros. Come on. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I've been (laughs) in, um, I've been in uh, multiple 12 step programs for years, you know, and I've done all the work there and I've done the therapy. And so I've got to be with men that are willing to therapeutically like be at the same place with the uh, vulnerability, the communication, like, you know, where I'm at right now in my life. Mm -hmm. Like if you're not like at that same place, if I can't play ball with you, you got to go Yep. because I, I don't have time. You know, we get one life, right? And I'm over the hill now. I'm closer to death than I am to life, right? And so I I only want to play this game with people that have the same kind of intelligence, emotional Mm -hmm. intelligence, intelligence. because I'm at a place in my life where I want to play that game finally. Mm -hmm. I never have. I've been too afraid to be that like vulnerable right so and if um, he's not doing his work then he's not in a place to receive exactly he's gonna hurt me he's gonna step all over when i'm actually laying things out and um i don't you know i want somebody to like that partner 
right? That's there, that supports me, that under, is understanding and gets where I came from and is loving and kind enough to step back and to look at their own side of the street and then show up with the the right kind of um, support that I need. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm also hoping to bring to the table too, on my side of the coin, sure. besides being the trophy wife, besides being funny and all these other kind of things. Like I'm, I'm working on my side really hard to show up to be that supporting, loving, kind, thoughtful human being as well, yeah. even though I am a dominatrix. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, I'm, and I hear women say the same things of all walks of life. It's, it's very similar spots. They, they, you know, they're like, just, it's just like, dudes, go to therapy. Just go to yeah. therapy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and so don't be pissed <laughs> off that we're all going to college. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're doing the work, dude. Jump in and do the work with us. Yeah. A lot of dudes were too worried about like, oh, like, how do I be a man? It's like, stop trying to be a man. Yeah, just, exactly. try, just be Jim. Figure out how to be the best Jim you yes, can be. Stop amen. worrying about being Andrew amen. Tate. Amen. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so something else that uh, was really interesting, I, you know, I've heard you talk so openly about is, uh, you know, you're doing full service sex work in yes. addition to porn. Yeah. Um, and it's so interesting because I remember when I started talking to porn stars on the podcast, uh, maybe like 2014, 15, 16, like that would so frequently be like when I remember when I asked like, hey, mm-hmm. what's off limits? So much right. so I'd be like, you can't mention escorting. Yeah. Not don't mention that. Right. We, we don't want to. That never happened. This, yeah. And and <laughs> uh, even with guy porn stars who yeah. like sometimes there's some gay for don't mention it. Yes. And so to hear you speak so openly like on podcasts about right. like doing that, you yeah. know, is that particular to you as the industry change? Like why no. were people so poo pooing <clears throat> being a porn well, star who escorts? Of course, legally wise, I have to say, you know, that I've never done full service sex work, right? (laughs) But um, I can talk about full service sex worker advocacy. Mm. Um, And I can say it with experience. So I'll just put it that way. Sure. (laughs) Trying to, you know, ring around a posy. But I do believe that, um, you know, as somebody that's been in the adult entertainment industry for over 30 years, Mm. I remember when the word sex worker first came out of uh, Carol Lee's uh, lips, yep. right? She's a San Francisco uh, full-service sex worker that has since passed away. Mm-hmm. And I remember it making the hairs on my... It does, it's doing it again right now, right? Making the hairs on my arms stand up because I knew immediately when I heard that word, it was going to change everything. And you know what? It fucking has. I was right. And that's why it still gives me goosebumps because before that word, there was no way to organize, to collaborate, Mm. to unionize. Like there was no way for us to gather as a group and have one strong, solid fucking voice for our rights. Mm. Is that because like the words that were available could be dismissed? Yeah, because everything was all sectioned, right? Everything Mm. was all like compartmentalized. Oh, well, you're a porn star. And then there's the hierarchy, right? So you're a porn star. So you're up here. You're a a survival sex worker, a street worker. So you're Mm. down here. Right. So when we got the word, um, so sorry, back then it was like street prostitute. Right. right. I, it's, yeah. I've changed my language so much. It's hard for me to get yeah. outside of that well, language. But I'm once like, you use the word sex worker, the hierarchy doesn't exist. We're all sisters and brothers together fighting for our rights as human beings to mm-hmm. exist. Um, and before that word existed, and I remember when it first came out, I started saying it around porn stars and their fucking ego was so huge. Like, I don't like that word. And still to this day, there's a lot of bitches that don't like that word. And I'm saying that uh, with non-gender bitches, right? <laughs> because they don't understand, right? They haven't been around long enough. They don't understand the 
the political potency that word has for us as a group to actually have mm-hmm. a voice and to change legal structures. And we've come more close to it now than ever before because of that word and the right. unity behind it. And to try to separate it at all and to disassociate yourself with it, um, to me, is like heresy. Right. Yeah. You can't get like a meeting with a congressman as easily when you're like the the association of strippers or like uh, right. the, the council of prostitutes. Like they yeah. like like a sex work. Like it just it's you know what it's a little cleaner. And if that's what but if that's what gets people to come to the table to make the and real to change, actually look at the human fuck? beings yeah. and the rights that they all deserve that are behind the word. Yeah. 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 yeah it reminds that there. Uh, but what what is the I guess what was the beef and is the beef of in the porn community of like porn because there are porn stars who won't escort and then there are porn stars who escort and then some will do that openly and some are like I do that usually it's a husband (laughs) a boyfriend yeah a relationship but you know when when I was like in my mid-20s I started chatting with porn stars I was it seemed like it was an industry thing like you might not get certain gigs if they know you escort that's bullshit. That's bullshit. Uh, that's total okay. bullshit. Um, but yeah. So I mean, once again, I've been around a long ass time, yeah. and I remember back in the day, Playboy came to me, and they were like, "We saw these ads," and I was like, "Oh no, wink, wink. That's <laughs> nothing to do with me, right?" Because the business used to be really, really, really against. And once again, I think it is just oppression. Mm. Men wanting to control women. Like they were like, oh, well, as long as you're working for us, then we've got the control and the money, Mm. but you start doing this, then you're independent. And and they would use all kinds of shame-based tactics. Well, you're going to get diseases and you're going to da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Whereas hoes, hookers, full-service sex workers are the fucking ones using condoms. They're safer than porn stars are Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Because a test doesn't protect you. It only tells you after you fucking got something. Thank you very much. Sorry. I'm very passionate about the whole condom thing. I hate the fact that um, the porn industry has made condoms... (sighs) a historical thing of the past. Um, You mean for like in society or like on set? Both. Okay. Because... Men, young men have never seen condoms being used. Mm-hmm. As a MILF that loves fucking young boys, trying to get a young boy to use a condom is like, you know, fucking trying to get, you know. Uh... <laughs> just for the record, just for the record, yeah. what counts uh, to you as young, younger man now? Uh, what just. Starting for, at 18. Eight, 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 Legal no, age. Oh, I meant like, yeah, what's the cutoff of young man? 30. Uh, 30 uh, okay, we're putting the pen down. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you saw I, how fast I said that too, right? But like with you know, I mean, but I, I think it could be solved with like sex ed in this country. Uh, you know, I don't think we should blame no. porn. I think we should blame the lack of education. I think porn is to blame one hundred percent. I love certain things about porn, and I mm. mean, I you know, like milfs, right? Mm. You know, like the word milf. Um, I was retiring when the word had just came out, and for those of you that don't know, it didn't exist before a movie called American Pie. Mm-hmm. That's where the word came from, and so I was um at the precipice of the end of my my career at that point because I had aged out. And also I saw the writing on the wall and the entire adult entertainment industry like went into pure collapse and bankruptcy uh, right when I retired. Um, and so anyways, I you know, it was more of a business decision uh, for the collapse that I saw coming, but it also had to do with age. And I remember the word MILF had just came out and those of us that were older in our 30s, um, we didn't know how we felt about it because the only reference that we had as a positive 
like role modeling of a older woman was Mrs. Robinson. And that was it. Other than that, if you were older and you were a female, there was nothing fucking positive about it whatsoever at all. Porn has absolutely changed that 100%. And as an old bitch, I have rode the wave with porn when it was hot to be a young chick. I was there. And when it's hot to be an old chick, I am here. And I'm like very grateful to porn that it did it, you know, in, in succinct timing with my mm. own aging process. Um, and I truly love that uh, about the adult in- entertainment industry. But I'm not going to sit here and say that everything about porn I agree with because I don't, sure. right? You know, uh, so there's certain things that I think, you know, and that is definitely one of them, the the whole condom thing, because literally, um, you know, as somebody that's been in this business, like there'll be a trend that happens in porn, right? Mm. Like some bitch will start some shit on film, right? And I'll know the scene, I'll know the, the, the female that started it. And then you'll see the dissemination of it through full service sex work, like through different countries. You're like, okay. oh, okay, well, now it's popular over here in Europe, right? What this bitch started, now it's in Texas, right? Well, it's like, like an example of that. The spit with blowjobs. Spit with blowjobs. Yeah, like the lots of spit. Like I remember Jenna actually first started that okay. back in the day, right? I've only been getting blowjobs for like 15, 16 years. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, were yeah, they, this is like they going all dry? the way back to the 90s. Yeah. Were they dry? They were dry yes. blowjobs? That sounds terrible. <laughs> sounds horrid. I'd rather just get the hand job at that point. <laughs> Says a 30-year-old. Anyways, <laughs> sit down, child. Uh, anyways, but yeah, the, the, you didn't have to get so fucking messy back in the day. But yeah, so then like... Like, there's been so many different things like that. Even, like, certain um, positions Mm -hmm. you'll see men do in real life that are only for the camera. And it's like, dude, don't do that. That hurts. The only reason anybody, you know, men learn how to fuck from porn. Whether we want to admit it or not, that is the goddamn truth. Mm. And you can see it as a full-service sex worker, right? Like, all around the world. You know, so to say that, like, like yeah, the, the young men are fucking badly in Belgium. They're fucking badly yes, in Japan. They are, they're fucking badly in Brazil. <laughs> they're fucking badly all over the world. And let me just say here to all the men that are listening, don't do the up and over. What's that the up and over? Is, the up and over is what porno guys do to get let the camera into the, to open, we call it on camera. Okay. Open, open it up for the camera. Sure. There's a bunch of things that we do on, on camera that's like, it's called cheating it to the camera, opening it up to the camera so that the camera can see what you're doing. Yeah. So obviously, if you're fucking a bitch, right, and okay. you're right level with her, let's just say missionary position. Okay. Right? The penis is like absolutely, you can't see it. Sure. Right? So you got to go up. And over so that the camera can get in and see the action happening. Like what? Like you're like, get, uh, you want me to show it to you? You want me to I, get up and over like, on actually, you, young man? I mean, kind of, I'm trying to, well, because like I. I so, okay. All right. Let's oh, do this okay. here, right? So let's pretend I've got my penis on. Okay. And, uh, and I'm just fucking you like that. Right. You're laying down right now. Okay. Right. So you're laying down, right? So if okay. I'm right here, the camera can't get in. Right. Right. So I got to go like up. Oh. And over and fuck you like this so that the camera then is underneath here. Oh, okay. Right? So you want to give them the undershot. Yes. Okay. So tons of men now do the up and over. I, I've. They do the up and over. They will get up on you and go a little bit over and fuck you from that position. And they're getting that from porn. And it's like, no. That hurts. What you want? Yeah, that, is, that no, that was you, not pleasant for yeah, me. But I was saying. I'm not talking about the 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 the, yeah. the actual 
the way that the penis is inside of you. Okay. That hurts like your whole insides, right? Like I want it to be like right at the same level going as deep as I can inside, Uh not at an angle going like 180 degrees. Like that is just painful to my whole system. (laughs) Like whatever is right there, you know, my ovaries, you're like poking my ovaries or some shit. So there's like so many things that as somebody that's been in this business forever and you're fucking a ton of people that you see all the different things in porn and how it has translated to mainstream society and what's normal and like what bitch started it and how it came into play and what directors started that. And, and, and a lot of these things then just, you know, persist for decades and then they get worse. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause like people saw that that sold. Yeah, so we and then should they do try it. To, like make it more extreme yeah. and you know, da, 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 da. And then we're at where we're at today. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I imagine that also you'll see that with like uh, maybe like archetypes or storylines. Yeah. They'd be like, well, that place is doing it and they got a lot of hits. So we should do our version yeah. of that. And you pass it around. And that's why we get like <laughs> these waves of like. Fads, you almost like, just got pegged before marriage. Yeah. It's like, every, you know, there's the there's the pegging you can't wear that into my room and have me not at least bend you over once, bitch. I mean, look, before we go, we'll, we'll make sure that happens. I oh. did, you know, like the last two years in a row, I did win Dominatrix of the Year. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, you're you're a fucking like I said, a hoot. Uh, I probably predicted. Uh, you can just <laughs> talk for forever. I can do this all day. Um, there were a couple questions that um, some listeners had. All right, talk I want to me. make sure I, I get the ask uh-huh. for them uh, because if they give me two dollars a month, I will open up the floor for questions. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I am a cheap whore. <laughs> but Chuck, uh, Chuck, first want to know. I'll, I'll ask. I'll do yeah. the light one first. Okay. Uh, what What made you get into DJing? Uh, okay, so yes, um, I used to have a 5,000 square foot studio downtown LA. Uh, back in my early 20s, I opened up at the age of 23, and I'm an old school rave chick bitch. So I had tons of friends that were DJs, and I had my first, um, which I still have them to this day, my Technique 1200 MK2s, still have them to this day, and I had got, you know, I had a mixer. Is that an STD or a thing? I don't <laughs> I don't recognize those letters those together. Those are turntables, okay. knucklehead for vinyl. <laughs> Damn kids! Uh, so, anyways, um, so yeah, so I had my my whole setup at my studio, and you know, like I just said, you know, I I'm not sober because um I didn't participate in drugs and alcohol. I'm yeah. sober because I did participate. Mm-hmm. So we used to have some fucking like mind blowing parties at my studio, and I'd be you know candy flipping. I'm like, yeah, let me get up on my you know it's my own equipment. So I started you know like being like a bedroom. DJ in my 20s and I would spin for like friends that were like at my parties and stuff like that but it was not like overly cool to be a DJ at that point and I'd I argue like, it's still not ah that's too funny <laughs> at a certain point it was really cool to be a DJ right which is when I jumped into it when the celebrity DJ was like a thing uh, when DJ, you know, Polly, yeah. Uh, yeah, got into it. I was like, yeah, okay, cool. And Let so, Jersey Shore guy hit play. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, at that point in time, I was already retired. I was doing independent filmmaking. I had done like three years of film school in New York. The independent filmmaking thing is a good way to be a, a broke bitch. Like it's mm. a very difficult kind of career to make. They always say it's like a, a, a hobby for the rich. And so I was like, bitch needs to make some money. And so I had worked for a DJ booking service, like hosting events. And I'd known the girl for like 20 years at that point. And I said, hey, if I started DJing, could you book me? And she was like, if you're good. I was like, okay, I'll call you back in a year. (laughs) (laughs) And that 
that's when I went to Dubspot in New York and um, I got my master's certification in Ableton. I took all these music classes. I did that whole thing. And then I started DJing. And then I quit DJing during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. And then the- uh, It had its run. <laughs> you can tell that my like interest in DJ is very low. So I was like, I don't have follow-ups. Uh, yeah. But Chuck really, <laughs> Chuck really wanted to know. Um, but And then this might be a way to, to kind of close out is- um, I'm going to rephrase it more skeptically, but his original question is, has being inducted into the AVN Hall of Fame changed her life in the industry any? Has it changed her perspective? My more skeptical read on that is going to be more like, does the whole Hall of Fame thing really matter? Is it a who you know? Is it like the Walk of Fame star you got to kind of pay for? <laughs> like, do do people care about it? Do you care about it? Yeah. So let me go back to the DJ world. So in the DJ world, in the music world, um, Insomniac, who does like, you know, the Electric Daisy Carnival and a bunch of other, you know, huge music festivals, they have something called the OG crew. Okay. And I'm part of the OG crew because in the 90s, I was an old school raver. So I know like, you know, I was going to all the raves in New York and LA and so... They hook you up. They give you free badges. They've got like, when you go to EDC, they've got certain rooms that are just for the the OGs that they've made for you. They've got certain like DJs that come for the for the OGs. They've in the tent area, in the parking area, they've got like a whole OG area. Like they treat their OGs mm. with fucking respect. Okay. Porn, not a fucking thing do you get. Not a fucking thing. They got zero respect for the OGs. So what does it mean to me? It obviously doesn't mean anything because Mm. nobody fucking respects it. Mm. Right? So, I mean, I got to go to the music fucking scene where all I did was do drugs and dance. And I get more respect over there than I do for fucking lasting 30 years in this business. So... I might have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder there. <laughs> Just saying. It's wild to have a chip on your shoulder. It's like, I'm in the Hall of Fame. Like Normally you hear from someone yeah. who's been snubbed and you're like, no, I'm in the Hall of Fame and I got a chip. Uh, like, how does that, does somebody call you and be like, you want to be in the thing? Well, it's like, funny because, you know, people all the time are like, yeah, I really hope I get my Hall of Fame. Like, I literally called up and said, I'm retiring this year. Give me my fucking Hall of Fame. And they were like, okay. And I got like two of them. <laughs> Right. And I did like a huge retirement party and, you know, the whole nine yards. And yeah, I just called them and told them to give it to me. And then they were like, okay, cool. I mean, at that point, I'd been in the business for 15 years. So there are chicks going like, I really hope I get it. Be like, just fucking ask for it. (laughs) Yeah, that's all I did. (laughs) I just said, I'm retiring. Give it to me now. And they were like, okay. So I got that one. And then I had the like legends of erotica or something like that the museum that's in las vegas i got it at the same time as uh, ron jeremy and so so, yeah (laughs) as a a podcaster i like p holmes says uh scandal acknowledged yeah exactly i like that an essay just so we can move past yeah (laughs) you know he was a scandal in the waiting and uh but yeah so we got our our our, one of our hall you know and he at that point we did like the whole thing that they do uh, like in Hollywood, they have a piece of cement that you put something into. And I was wearing Dolce Gabbana from head to toe. So being I did the world's largest, most extravagant foot job gangbang, I did my feet. And he didn't really want to put his dick in the cement. So it's like also a store. So then he like grabbed one of his toys and he put his his mold of his dick mm. into the cement. Um, like, we have to ring you up first. That's, yeah, exactly. That's can't put funny. that one back in the box. Funny. But yeah, so I mean... um, I I wish that the industry would have more love mm. for those of us because this is not 
an easy business no. to stay in for a long time. There really should be a lot more embracing uh, for those of us that have stood the test of time and, you know, and are, are still kicking it, you know, they should do a little bit more, mm. hopefully with time and maybe me bitching, maybe, maybe it might happen one day. Yeah. And, if, and at least craft services. At least craft services for the old bitches in the left. Get me some fucking mac and cheese. <laughs> right, dude. While I'm drying cum off my tits. That's so hot. I'm from Wisconsin. <laughs> I'm a total cheese head. <laughs> you know, cheese and cum. Yes. <laughs> uh, Brittany, I could I could talk to you forever. You're so much fun. Uh, but thanks for making time to chat thank with us. Thank you. I had an amazing time. You were a lot of fun, boo. I, I appreciate you. And thanks. thank you for bending over. You can take that T-shirt when well, you leave and rip it and rip it off of you. Well, I haven't quite been over yet. I've been straddled so far by the Brittany Andrews, but which I don't know if I even properly introduced you at All once right, this whole it's time. a wrap over here. Cut. <laughs> um, but before uh, before we go, where yeah. can people go find you, follow you, check out your stuff? You know, Brittany Andrews, B R I T T A N Y. I mean, if you Google me, you'll be lost for days on end um, but BrittanyAndrews.com always works and then you know I put everything under DJ Britstar because Brittany Andrews was taken while I was retired on everything so you can go to all my links at DJ Britstar crazy and uh, and uh, normally I tell people like say goodbye to everybody uh, but instead I, I'll just have you close with give a slut get on your knees and worship sure once I the hit altar uh, of mistress mommy yeah once I hit stop uh, no it's <laughs> But instead, uh, you can just like give a one word answer if you want. Yeah, okay, okay and go for it. We're going to close on All this. Right. One word. Is the answer to this question is, um, did you bang Eminem? I take the fifth. Wait, wait, don't go just yet. Hold on. If you loved Britney, you don't want to go. Just hold on. Listen to, listen to me. Take your finger off the triangle. It's not time yet. There's more Brittany Andrews to listen to. It, it, at the end of this little bit, and it's going to be real quick, you're going to hear a teaser of my bonus episode with Brittany Andrews, which is coming out tomorrow exclusively on Patreon. But for now, I, I just got to say, feel a little called out when she was all like, mm, I guess it means you don't pay for your porn. Look, I'm, I'm poor and trying to survive in New York City. The rents be high. But for the record... I still do pay my monthly Patreon pledge for an erotic artist. That was my very first Patreon pledge was to an erotic artist, okay? I do try to put my dollars in where I can. And I do think I got to, you know, I think I got to bring that back. I got to bring back that, you know, that monthly porn site recommendation. Maybe I'll do that in 2024. You know, I don't have a, a porn sponsor now. So I think I, you know, this maybe I could do that again. I really liked it. That's how I that's how I tried out Crash Pad series. Love Crash Pad series and Trenchco X. That was another one I did before I got the hotmovies.com sponsorship and, and had to stop, but you know, I pay for some poor. I just I don't know why I feel so defensive, but I do. <laughs> uh, uh, tell us which porn you pay for in the champagne room. We actually have a patron-only channel called Porn Share where people uh, actually do do that sometimes. Uh, folks, If you, the best place to share your thoughts on this week's show is in the episode discussion channel in the Discord server, The Champagne Room, completely free to join to engage in the chat with over 700 whoreheads. Link in the notes, or you can go to manwhorepod.com slash discord. 
You can also email me your thoughts, your questions to manwhorepod at gmail.com. You just may hear your words on the show. And look out for some clips of Brittany Andrews on the Toctic and the and the GI, I mean the IG, whatever, social media. Uh, I've, there's some fun videos. I'm going to put some stuff up there. I have a feeling in the new year, uh, I, we're not going to go fully to video, but I feel like you're going to start getting some some more Manhor podcast video available. I got it, you know, evolve or die or something like that. Uh, thank you uh, to everyone who supports the Manhor podcast on Patreon. I'm about to play a teaser clip. Uh, I snipped out about like 16 minutes of me chatting with Brittany Andrews. In it, we discussed being a gilf gangbangs, and condoms in porn. You can gain access to the full bonus episode as well as over 300 bonus episodes at patreon.com slash Podcast. And next week, next week, the fan whores, uh, we are doing the hot movie night. Yes, on December 14th, 9.15 p.m. Eastern Time, we are going to watch Sex World. A sci-fi, silly, porno classic, careofhotmovies.com. That'll be in the champagne room. That's a patron-only invitation. I hope I see many of you there. Enjoy the tease of Brittany Andrews. And as always, stay slutty. There's other women that are my same age, but it's like their first round. They haven't right. retired yet. And they're just like horrified that, you know, I would do be their age and do like a guilt thing. And I'm like, oh, what do I give a fuck? I've been in the business 30 years, dude. Like, like one of my number one selling pieces of content from back in the day, I had toilet paper on my cunt. Why? Yes, exactly. No. Why did the guy not tell me? I think because he was stoned and not paying attention. And then somehow it just blew up. Oh, that wasn't like the theme of the shoot. No. Uh, it's just like, I, I got a fat pussy. Toilet paper gets stuck in there, dude. Jerry, we're going to do some toilet paper porn now. I don't think <laughs> it's good for the SEO. <laughs>